thank you for leading us into prayer and helping center our hearts back on God, who cares so deeply to hear from his children. My name is Pastor Kevin. It is a joy to be here with you all, and I'm excited for today's message, but we got to start by thinking back to last week, because if you were here last week, there is something I said in the message that really pinched a nerve with several of you. And you know what I'm talking about. It was when I suggested as a practical application, try driving the speed limit for a day and see how that goes. Do you remember I said that? Yeah. <laughs> you guys cracked me up. I, I got so many comments about my message, and it, they were all about that. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you guys are really funny. It says, I'm going to try, Kevin, to go the speed limit. It'll be hard for me, but I'm not so worried about me. I'm worried about everyone else. <laughs> in fact, I, I, someone uh, in the middle of the week said, they were kind of like mad at me for suggesting this thing, go the speed limit. They're like, I'm going the speed limit, and Everyone around me is just passing me by, and they're mad at me, and they're turning to look at me, and I'm like, I'm just doing what my pastor said, <laughs> trying to slow down. I said, exactly, because this is the whole idea. The whole world is cruising by us at a hyper speed in life. So for us to do something that's kind of silly, right, but it's to physically experience the discomfort of slowing down while we're driving, it gives us a tangible way to realize the challenge of going a different way than the way of the world. It's not easy, not at first, because it is so counter to how we live day in and day out. A few days just before uh, I had given you that suggestion, right, as a practicing, it was, there was one of these moments while I'm driving that I just, my immediate reaction was, well, that's coming up in a sermon. I was merging onto uh, 131 from West Main, and uh, I was going north. So, you know, it's that big loop there. You can only go so fast on those little merging loops, right? And I thought I was going a reasonable speed on it. The woman behind me did not think I was going a reasonable speed. She was on my tail, right? And, and I'm just, I, I, I look back, and, you know, she seemed like uh, first appearances, like she'd be a very pleasant you know, middle-aged woman just driving along. But when I look back, she was very angry at me. And I know because she mouths something, I'm not sure exactly. Uh, then she whips her hand out in anger at me. And as she did so, she hit the cross on her rearview mirror. <laughs> Almost like, out of the way, Jesus, I got someplace to be. Why in the world are we all in such a hurry throughout this life? Why? What are we even rushing to and what are we rushing for? Pastor John Mark Comer asks this question, Why am I in such a hurry to be somebody I don't even like, let alone to be someone so different from who God calls me to be? or to be so different from Jesus. We're in our second week of our new series, Summer Break. We're trying to capture what true rest is. We go on summer break, we get a taste of what rest is, but we come back to the chaos of our world and realize it was fleeting. So we're going to Scripture to ground ourselves in the way of Jesus Christ, who says, 
His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Come, all you who are weary and burdened, you will find rest. That's our prayer together in this series. And today we are talking specifically about our pace, our pace of life, how we move throughout this world as we seek to follow Jesus. Spoiler alert, most of us are likely moving too fast through this one beautiful life. And in case you think it doesn't apply to you or it's not that big of a deal, let's have a little fun. Uh, Did you know there's this thing, it's a diagnosable condition called hurry sickness. People prescribe this, psychologists and doctors and what have you. It's a legit thing. It's been around since the 50s, believe it or not. And to be quite honest, we probably all have this on some level, hurry sickness. Here's a quick test. Uh, let's, let's be honest with ourselves uh, without judgment, okay? Let's do a quick self-inventory and see 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. The first one is, what is that, um, what is that uh, survey says? Uh, irritability. Next one is hypersensitivity. Then restlessness. Workaholism, emotional numbness, out-of-order priorities, lack of care for your body, escapist behaviors, slippage of spiritual disciplines, and isolation. What's your quick gut instinct on how many of those might resonate with you more often than not? And if you do start to feel bad the first time I did this, 8 out of 10. And that, my friends, was on a good day. That there's no guilt, there's no shame here, because this is the way of the world. If we follow the way of the world, this is how we will feel, and this is what our day-to-day experience will be. But there is a better way. It is the way of Jesus, and what we find when we look to Jesus is that he operates at a totally different speed. If you know your Bible and you hear the word pace or, 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 or following Jesus or what speed we are to walk at, one passage may come to mind. And I want to read it for us because it's really helpful to inform this entire uh, time together. And it's Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. It goes like this. Hear now the true word of the Lord. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us, what's that word? Run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It says to run. To run. They call it a race. Run the race with perseverance. That means we're moving quick, right? We got to go, go, go. We got places to be, things to do, right? Wrong. Even though it says run, we also see from this passage that Jesus sets the pace. He's the pace car, if it were, right? We follow him and we don't pass him. We stay behind him and we try and stay with him. It says we run with perseverance by fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
And when we look at Jesus in Scripture, we do not see him sprinting. Take a few snapshots from the Gospels to get a sense of the speed of Jesus. Even though he had the biggest mission there ever was in the history of the world, and he had a very short amount of time to complete it, Jesus was never rushed. He sat with the woman at the well in the heat of the midday sun in the depth of her shame and engaged one-on-one on a heart level with her. Throughout his entire ministry, he is constantly interrupted. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, who you truly are is who you are when you're interrupted. (laughs) Who are you when you're interrupted? I don't look a lot like Jesus. But he was constantly interrupted, but he doesn't shoo people away. In fact, the children, they wanted to come to him, even when he was in the middle of some really important soul-saving teaching. He says, let them come. His disciples continuously don't seem to understand Jesus, but he keeps teaching them and walking with them anyway. He was patient. He's summoned by Jairus to heal his dying daughter. And along the way, in the mass of the crowds, he feels power go out of him. Instead of being frustrated and annoyed because he has this important thing to do to save this girl's life, he stops and says, who touched me? And he doesn't just say, oh, it was you, okay, and move on. He sits, and he makes sure that healing that took place in that woman's life wasn't just physical healing, but it was eternal healing, and that she felt restored stored back, not into a fullness of health, but into the community. Yeah, that girl died. Oh, but Jesus went and sat and made a way there also. Another time, there was an angry crowd who brought a woman who was caught in adultery before them, and they, in their anger and in their frustration and in their piety, she must be stoned. So Jesus, what do you say? What does Jesus do? He doesn't match their speed. He sits down. He starts writing in the ground. And he gives these little calming, gentle, hey, anyone here without sin, let them cast the first stone. Another time he's teaching, his fame had grown so much that people were just bringing him in mass people to heal And all this amazing stuff was happening. He was so in demand. But he said to his disciples, let's go to another village. I have some more teaching to do. I'm moving on. He had work to do, and he wanted to go at his own pace. His prayer life was not just at the traffic light or at the dinner table, but he got up exceedingly early to have ample and appropriate appropriate amount of time to rest in the presence of his father, preparing for his very busy schedule so that he could be present throughout all of it. It goes on and on and on and on. And Jesus' ministry, it lasted just about three years. And his mission was to bring salvation to all people who call on him. And through it all, he could not be rushed or hurried. Amazing. Jesus is never rushed, for he moves at the speed of love. It's the speed of God. 
God who is love. There's a Japanese theologian. He once wrote a book called Three Mile an Hour God because that's the speed you walk. It's about three miles an hour. And I think that's potent. How do you feel when you are sitting with somebody and you can tell they are in a hurry? You can tell they're distracted. You can tell they want to rush on to the next thing. Do you feel very loved? Do you feel valued? We've all done that, and we've all been there. But have you ever sat with someone who is just fully fixed on you? You know they're busy. You know they have important stuff to do, but they're just sitting with you, present in the moment. The person that comes to mind uh, that I think most modeled this for me and my, my experience of life so far, uh, many of you know him. He has since passed uh, beloved pastor uh, Don DeYoung. You know him, Curry. I know several of you know him. He was the first man, one of the very first, to speak a possibility of ministry into my life. And Don DeYoung, if you knew him, he was exceedingly busy. He always had stuff going on. He never actually retired. Curry, right? <laughs> You've never actually retired yet either. Uh, but he would, if you were with Don DeYoung, he was so present with you. He, you sat with him, and you felt like, I'm what matters right here and now. The only time I ever saw Don DeYoung rush was on a mission trip in New York City where we were about 20 blocks away from a ferry for a boat tour, and we were running late. There's 20-some high schoolers, and then there's Don DeYoung. I think he was in his late 70s at this point. He had some mobility struggles too with his hips and stuff, and we had to bucket those 20 blocks. And poor Don rushed because he had to. And I remember we got on that boat. He is sweating. He is exhausted. And he said to the youth pastor, let's never do that again. That's the other funny thing about Don DeYoung. If you knew him, he had the quickest wit there ever was. And yet he had a very slow way of speaking, as if he gave thought and consideration to everything he said. When he was rushing to New York, it was so wrong. It was so wrong. Because that's not who he was created to be. And indeed, it's not who we were created to be either. We are called to follow Jesus, which means keeping our eyes on him and following him at his pace and seeking to persevere as well. The author of Hebrews calls it a run, I dare say, not because we move fast, but because we move with a purpose. Our primary task in this world is first and foremost to follow Jesus. I was in second grade at the time, and we had a new student come in mid-year. His name was Gary. He's the only Gary I've ever met that's a peer of mine. <laughs> Gary Scripsma was too cool, I guess, that they decided it, it capped there, right? But Gary, in second grade, was a new student. My te the teacher asked me to be his buddy, help him get acclimated and all that stuff. I remember that very first recess with Gary, where in second grade, what you do is you run, right? And we go out there and we start running, and Gary, no joke, was the slowest runner I have ever seen in my life. He walked faster than he ran. I'm not joking. <laughs> And this guy, I love Gary. He was such a sweet, kind, gentle soul. 
But when he ran, he was trying. He just didn't have it in him. But the look on his face was so focused and serious as he was moving. He was determined. As silly as it sounds, that's how we are called to live. That's the pace we run after, slowly, purposefully, following the slow and intentional pace of Jesus. Because when we go fast, we miss so much. And when our schedules are so full, we have no margin. Slow doesn't mean we are meandering. It doesn't mean we're moseying. It doesn't mean we're picking daisies or walking aimlessly. It means that we have purpose. And we're busy, but with the right thing. See, we don't want to course correct our hurried hearts by overcompensating into a slothful way of life or a laziness. No, we have a set objective in mind for how we're supposed to move through this world and to follow in the steps of Jesus Christ, keeping our eyes on him as he sets the pace. It's why we call it our walk with God, not our sprint with God. It's not hurrying with God, but it's waiting on the Lord. It's not to be frenzied and know that I am God. It is be still and know that I am God. Though Jesus walked slowly, he was still very busy. But the key is he was busy with the right things. He was getting after them, fulfilling them in the right way. You cannot rush love. You simply can't. They're incompatible. You cannot rush love. If you're married, ask your spouse if you feel loved when you're in a rush. You can't rush through the way of Jesus. We're called to this different pace, this different way. So let's consider what it says in Galatians 5, 13 through 25, when it kind of holds up the way of the flesh and the way of the Spirit, the way of Jesus. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And focus on this. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, oh, they're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruits of the Spirit— is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And once more, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Considering this, this contrasting of the flesh and the fruit, we can deduce that sin is fast and the way of Jesus is slow. I mean, think about it. You can very quickly fall into sin, can't you? It takes no time at all. Just some of the examples within our text quickly prove the point. Anger, that's fast. Oh, that can come fast, can it? Impurity, sensuality, sexual immorality takes just someone walking by you and your eyes to linger or to flee. Takes just a quick look on line. It just takes letting your thoughts run wild, fast. Idolatry, maybe it's that newest Apple product or you see a nice looking car or a new pair of sneakers or your favorite celebrity did a new thing and you're all of a sudden just putting all your attention on them, fast. Jealousy. You see something in someone else that you want? It's like immediate, isn't it? Fast. And then we compare it to the fruits of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Slow. It's intentional. It's purposeful. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness gentleness. It's slow. Self-control. It is the ongoing act of choosing to be slow and to be in control. I have three young kids. All I need to say, honestly. I have three young kids that are amazing kids, but it can be so easy to get angry so fast. Just a boom just like that. What is better to teach my kids that love is angry and distracted or love is patient and love is kind? What one is quicker and what one takes longer to cultivate and to stay in? Sin is fast. The way of Jesus is slow. It's a whole different ball game to be patient and gentle and self-controlled because it is not our natural speed. It is not our natural inclination. And that's exactly it. Because we are here to build up our spiritual muscles each time we choose to live by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit when we choose that instead of the desires of our flesh. That's what it means to follow in the way of Jesus. This is how he calls us to live, to keep our eyes focused on him and keep in step with the Spirit to remember that we cannot have two yokes, as we talked about last week, because we would be torn apart. It is to choose to yoke ourselves to Jesus. And when you are yoked to him, you must submit to him, for you are following his speed and his path and his purpose that he has for you. And as we run slowly and purposefully at the pace of Jesus— following after Jesus, we not only build up our spiritual muscles and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, but we also actively resist the devil 
Look at what it says in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. You allow the yoke of Jesus to come upon you. You are submitting to him. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I meant to grab a rubber band before this, but I forgot to. So we're going to imagine this is a rubber band, all right? Let's do some imagination together today. You know how a rubber band works. You pull it, you stretch it, you create tension, right? You let go, it goes back to how it was. We sometimes fall into the belief that if we're following God, we're, we're moving, right? We're moving and there's creating some, some growth here that comes through stretching and all of that. That if we take a break, that we plateau. You've heard that before. I'm plateauing in my faith. I'm just, you know, schedule's a little crazy. I don't have time. We think we just kind of stay. The reality is we don't. We don't plateau. We get pulled back. We get pulled back because to, to flee Satan is an act of resistance. Resistance means there is tension present in that space. When we follow God, we are creating resistance between us and the enemy by walking slowly and consistently with Jesus by the power of the Spirit. If we stop, we don't plateau. We start to backslide. That's why this walk of faith is so important. That's why Eugene Peterson called it a long obedience in the same direction, that we keep on going. And it's not huge steps. It's often tiny, little, faith-filled steps each day, trying to resist being pulled back into the passions and the way of our flesh that so easily ensnare us. Our culture's obsession, obsession with busyness and hurriedness would love for us to just fill our days and forget about following Jesus. And the reality is, our culture's obsession with all those things, it's not just a scheduling problem. In our own lives, it's not just a scheduling problem. It's a heart problem. It's a soul problem. As John Ortberg, a pastor, said, hurry isn't just a disordered schedule, it's a disordered heart. None of us want to get to the end of our days and reflect back with the stunning realization that we wasted our life with the things that simply don't matter. The reality is, most of our busyness and our speed through life is self-inflicted by a disordering of priorities, by a disordered heart. What risk do we run if we don't follow in the slow, steady, purposeful pace of Jesus and do the important soul work of slowing down and actively resisting the way of the world— by actively resisting our own sinful desires and tendencies and actively resisting, indeed, even the devil. Pastor Mark, uh, John Mark Comer gives us this warning that none of us would want to say is us. That somehow, through it all, you started a business, but you ended a marriage with this disordered heart. 
or you got your kids to their dream colleges, but you never taught them the way of Jesus, or you got the letters after your name, but you learned the hard way that intelligence is not the same as wisdom, or that you made a lot of money, but never grew rich with the things that matter most, which ironically aren't things at all, or you watched all 14 seasons of Enter Your Favorite Show Here, but you never learned to love prayer. Is your heart feeling a bit disordered this morning? Are your priorities out of alignment with the path and the yoke of Jesus Christ? Another way to ask that question is a question we'll ask probably every week during the series. Are you feeling weary and burdened? Because it is never too late to begin to slow down, to turn from the way of the world and turn back to the way of Jesus, to follow Jesus' command to repent and believe, and we do so believing that his way brings good news. For as it says in Ephesians 5, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. You feel like the days are evil? It takes amazing amount of intentionality to find yourself well through a day. The days are filled with opportunities to cause you to stray off the slow and purposeful path of Jesus. It takes intentionality. It takes dependence on the Spirit. And hearkening back to our very first passage, it takes the support of faithful community that you are running alongside of as we together keep our eyes on Jesus. So as we close, this is our challenge this week. Begin to embrace a spiritual discipline of slowing. This is not a traditional spiritual discipline, but it is a practice to posture ourselves better to the way of Jesus. You like the speed limit thing, or you didn't like it, I want to give you a couple more tangible experiments this week to physically experience the spiritual tension that is present in all of our hearts. That's the idea of these experiments, like the speed limit thing, okay? The first one is let's go for a slow walk. If, if you're able to walk, go for a slow walk. Take your normal pace and cut it in half. I promise you it's going to drive you crazy. But I also promise you will start to notice things you haven't noticed before, including your own antsiness. Second tangible experience, if you go shopping this week, pick the longest checkout line intentionally and leave your phone in your pocket or your purse and stand there and wait. It, again, will drive you crazy. But remember, these are experiments to physically experience a spiritual tension that is present in all of us. Because the way of Jesus is different than the way of the world. And finally, a little bit more uh, lasting practice for you. Go to Galatians 5 and go through the, the flesh and the spirit and do a fruit of the spirit inventory. Where do you see those fruits present in your life and where are they lacking? Where do you have to contend for those things to be present in your life and what work needs to be done to help cultivate that better? Another thing you can do is go to those 10 signs of hurry sickness we began with and that one that kind of hit you in the gut earlier 
spend some time on that. Do some research on that. Maybe begin an uh, act of a spiritual discipline uh, in addition to slowing. Grab Richard Foster's uh, celebration of discipline and start to study that and embrace that. And the final practice, if you are married, have a courageous conversation. And it is a courageous, grace-filled conversation with your spouse about your shared schedule. Do your days and your weeks and your months add up to a life of purposeful meaning or unfruitful busyness? What items that are in your control, because our busyness isn't always in our control, what items in your control can you adjust to better follow as a family in the way of Jesus? Let's all begin to slow down. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus who goes before us and shows us the way, who is the way into his everlasting and abundant life. May we walk in step with the Spirit as we go a different way than the way of Satan, the way of our spiritual desires, and the way of this world. For there is a better way, and it is the way of Jesus. Let us run slowly and purposefully after him together. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we do thank you for showing us the way, for being the way for giving us your true word to guide us in how you have called us to live. And for not leaving us alone, but giving us your very power, giving us your very presence in the Holy Spirit, who will guide us and encourage us and inspire us and strengthen us and even convict us, but then in your grace bring us back into step with you. Lord God, we long to rest in your presence and experience that soul-level, uh, life-giving rest that you promise in your invitation to us to come to you, all who are weary and burdened. We repent now, God. We, we name those things in our hearts right now to you, Lord, that are separating us from you, that are separating us from following in your path for us. Gently draw them out of us by the power of your Spirit, God and give us that first step to take to better follow after you. We long to live a life of meaning and purpose that brings others in to your loving embrace, God. But our hearts are hurried and disorganized, so we, even now, rest in your presence. Slow us down. Still our frenzied beings and help us not miss what you are up to even now in our lives and in our world. We love you, God. We pray this all in the power of Jesus' name. Amen.